Welcome to the Strange Films Podcast, a place for filmmakers, actors, and other creatives. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm here with Bandit, my blue healer pup. He's been uh, my one of my good friends the last couple weeks. I've just, just adopted him for the new year. And uh, the reason why I'm describing him, if you're listening on Spotify and Apple, is because we're on YouTube now. We're publishing all of the future podcasts with my friends and my family and the actors and the filmmakers and creative people that I get to have the pleasure to talk with you. We're putting all of our beautiful faces on YouTube for you to watch and enjoy the uh, the interviews with um so excited to be here and thanks for stopping by and supporting the show appreciate that uh let's get into uh this week's interview so i uh for this week i got to sit down with an actor he's a comedian he does a great um variety show and he's been on television he's met a, met a ton of celebrities over the years uh, and i've had the pleasure of working with him um between our films raven and the newest film from strange films uh center city 2 coming out this year and we were on his show the comic book gurus podcast uh, a couple of years a few years back i should say uh but my friend craig Legons, he joins me for this interview and it is wonderful craig is just an amazing human being he's so kind and passionate as well as uh uh just grateful and he he's just an all-around stand-up guy and we talk all about his uh kind of his career how he got into entertainment and why he does it um he, how he got to meet all these celebrities like matt damon and uh you know his experience working with strange films and even like the dark characters that we present him it was a really great interview i really enjoyed talking with him i hope uh you guys enjoy it as well and you know learn a lot about him just as much as i did as well feel free to reach out anytime um i really do appreciate all the the listens that we're getting and uh please be sure to check out strange film studios on our website or our youtube channel or on instagram and just uh reach out anyways let's get straight to the interview enjoy craig Lagans, ladies and gentlemen craig Lagans. hey craig man how you doing it's i'm thrilled to speak with you and see you again I'm thrilled to see and hear from you again, August. Happy New Year! I happy wore the year. I wore my Happy New Year suit since it's our uh, brand new year together, um, with some great things happening. I agree. Yes, Happy New Year to you, and and uh, it's good to see you. you. Always look great, and thank you for the strange films background right there. That's the that's true support, you know. <laughs> of course, man. I've been I've been a fan of yours and your father's. Uh, since day one, we kind of have like a symbiotic relationship. Um, when we, I started my uh, my other podcast um, back in 2017, uh, we needed guests, and that's when I came across your first your film, Center City, and you needed to promote it. So I said, "Wow, I need guests. You guys need promotion. I've got a podcast on uh, the number one morning radio show network in Philadelphia. So let's make this happen." and I did my research on you and I watched all of your stuff that you had out up until then, 2018. And I've been a huge fan ever since. And I backhandedly said, if you need somebody to be uh, an extra or something in one of your films, I suggested it. And not knowing at all that I would ever be a part of um, your production. And uh, you you made the call and I thank you. And so I'm always going to support you. and whatever you do, whatever it is you do artistically, writing comic books, directing, producing, 
anything, I'm here for you, man. Oh, that's amazing, man. It's an honor. It's an honor to know you and, and uh, be connected like that and, and, you know, our story, which we'll get into here in just a second here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we take pride in the people we work with. Uh, we call them our Strange Films family, and you are very much indeed our Strange Films family. And same goes with you. We support everything that you do and, um, and all your talents and your kindness and everything. So we're, we're really grateful for you uh, just as much, man. Thank you. Um, Thank you. But everyone who's listening, um, you know, Craig and I, we've known each other, I guess, it, I think it is about four years now. Five, I, I, what, did we get on your show in 2018, I believe? In 2018, we got it was the first time you were on the show. Yeah, and, so. Yeah. Um, every time you had something to promote, we, we had you back on. Right, right. And so, and that, yeah, and that, that was the Comic Book Gurus podcast, correct? That is correct. Comic Book Gurus podcast. Uh, we're in a little hiatus now. We're we're switching to video, so now all of our shows are on YouTube. Wonderful. Um, they're still available on iTunes if you want to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. You want to go back and listen to the interviews I did with uh with uh, August and his father Frank when you guys came uh, to the studio to promote uh, Center City and uh, the Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, we had you in. Uh, we had the whole cast in, and it was great every time. And like I said, anytime we get a chance to promote you guys and get more people on eyes get more eyes on what you guys do um will do and it's been an amazing journey for the strange films family yeah it has been a journey i will say that um but i will uh but yeah compa gurus that was a cool show man i'm glad that and i see the social media is still active on that so like and you get quite a bit of like um uh people like engaging in your posts, you know, when talking about the movies coming out and, and theories and, and stuff like that, that's coming out with the comic book movies. Uh, and it was, your co-host was a uh, rock star Rob, correct? That is correct. He's still my co-star, uh, rock star Rob. We've added a, a third uh, player uh, to comic book gurus. Her name is Steph. She brings a much needed, um, now that we're on YouTube, a much needed visual proponent. Wonderful. Neither Rob nor I are, are uh, a pleasure to look at. Uh, Steph <laughs> is a former calendar girl for Preston and Steve so she brings what you know people actually want to see and she knows her stuff so uh yeah having a uh, comic book uh, gurus getting to talk about the stuff that we love comic books and comic book movies seems to be all the rage uh these days the kids seem to be really into it mm-hmm. and uh keeping up on his social media is tough and you you've been to our comic book gurus website um there's a lot of opinions about a lot of different avenues and when you have to manage a comic book website it's kind of tough and it's an open forum we want to hear from everyone but as you know uh being a filmmaker yourself can't please everybody it's impossible to try and everyone's got an opinion on everything uh (laughs) that you do and we're not even making the movies we're just presenting the content and people still have a lot to say about it so that keeps me on my toes 24 7. yeah that is uh such a good point i mean you guys have such a niche with um, with the comic book and everything that comes with those characters and everything like that. It's bound to have those discussions. Same thing with like movies and stuff like that. But um, what you know, I find that that's actually some of the most popular stuff that's out there as far as podcasting goes, because you are getting those people who are just interested and want to hear other people's opinions. And then they want to say their own opinions to it. So it's good that you have that kind of open platform discussion, open forum discussion for people to do that because it's clearly working, you know, in that, in that sense, you know? So like with strange films, it's kind of like, we only have 
unless someone discovers us and really enjoys us, you know, we only have our core people who really have been following us for the years, um, discussing or, you know, talking about our work and whatnot. But you guys have such a broad, a broad, uh, subject that's never going to go away. And you have so much history mm -hmm. behind it as well from all the, the, from years of comic books and movies and everything that you, you guys can go forever, you know? So that's, that's always exciting. It is exciting. And speaking of exciting, you're taking your brand national too, because weren't you just at a film festival or several film festivals that close out the year in 2022 with uh, your films? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, our last film festival we were in was um, at the Smodcastle uh, Film Festival in, in Jersey. That was Kevin Smith's mm -hmm. Film Festival. We had Raven, which you're a part of, and we'll get into that here in just a bit. Uh, so Raven was uh, playing there, and that was a neat experience. Um, it's super cool to see, like, Kevin Smith's, like, you know, theater and having all those, like, memorabilia of all of his uh, movies and and everything. Um, it decorated the, the cinema and stuff. And then, like, uh, we didn't get to catch a – we didn't get to – catch kevin smith and say hi to him or anything like that but knowing that was his first film film festival there was over like a thousand submissions and you know 150 got selected and we were one of them that's pretty cool to me so and kevin smith was always been you know one of my uh favorite directors growing up just because he is truly like an independent filmmaker so yeah um but we do we we've done pretty well last year we uh raven won uh, Best Film in, I think, the New Jersey Horror Con, won, like, Best Cinematography as well. Uh, we were nominated for, like, eight different awards on that one. And we were sprinkled in a few different festivals throughout the year. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh, and internationally we won or were not up for, like, a Best Poster uh, at the Cannes Short Film Festival. Uh, so that was pretty awesome too uh but yeah I mean, we we definitely try to put it out there as much as we can and you know the, the problem about film festivals is like it's a cost you know yeah. cost thing you know you got to submit it, you got to um, pay to submit to festivals um yeah. and that's not even guaranteed you're going to get in and so yeah. you know i've i've maybe submitted with raven maybe like 25 30 festivals and i think maybe 10 mm -hmm. got in or something like that so a yeah. lot of that money is just down the drain and that, i've that's my, been my experience for all my films I've ever submitted. So it's, it's a tough game, you know, right? Currently I'm trying to, uh, trying to, uh, submit, he comes to kill my latest feature into festivals, but same thing. It's like, how much money do I really afford? Can I afford to spend and what's justifiable and all that? You have to whore yourself out in the independent film. <laughs> you you really do. You do have to be a whore. And, but I want you to keep exposing yourself as much as you can to these folks because the more you expose yourself august um the more people the more eyes will see it but i know it's, it's the, the the balance between exposing yourself and being a whore that's, yeah oh that's the hardest part about being an indie filmmaker it's really. tough yeah it's tough i because um you don't want to i mean my personal approach i don't want to be like the guy who's just constantly in your face like especially on like Facebook where I know so many people personally and everything. I don't want to be that guy who's constantly like, watch my stuff, watch my stuff, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And, but I do have to share something from strange films usually once a day, at least maybe twice, or if something big happens, you know, share that of course. But that's why I'm like going in the podcasting realm, uh, mm -hmm. trying to do more YouTube, like vlog videos and stuff like that. Uh, hopping on as much uh, social media platforms as I can and doing the Instagram reels and, you know, just all that stuff. Just trying to just keep it going, like you said. But yeah, it's a social media is just always such a tough, tough thing. I wish I had someone to help me, you know, run that side of the business. Um, 
but yeah you will you will the more success you get the more people that want to help you out the more people that want to do it because it's you and because they believe in you and believe in your art and uh it'll come and this is your the building blocks of your empire and we started here just like kevin smith started somewhere mm-hmm. um this is your 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 building block and a year, I, a year from now this will be a completely different conversation because people will be working for you getting out your your social media stuff and you know when people see this the stuff that uh you put out and everyone that i know that has come into strange films without any preconceived notion at all we're seeing it for the first time has come has come away loving it has come away liking it i'm for one was was one of those people i had never heard of you never heard of you and your dad never seen any of your films started watching them and now i'm hooked so <laughs> it happened on a in a cold-hearted cynic like me it can happen <laughs> anybody. So, that no means way. the world. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, well, I want to I want to give people a chance to kind of get some background on you. And actually, uh, just this morning, I was watching uh, your video of 1990 MTV's 1990 uh, remote control show. You being on that. And I was just having a ball because knowing you now and seeing a younger <laughs> version of you, I was like, that's just that's the same yeah. guy I know. It's just a lot younger. And but um, I want you to kind of maybe just give uh, the listeners some background on you, um, how you kind of got in entertainment, uh, being the charismatic host that you are, and how you even got on MTV, all that jazz. And then we'll lead up into uh, our work together. Okay. Uh, well, uh, August, like Steve Martin, I was born a poor black child. And I wanted to, uh, television was the, uh, the greatest thing that uh, had ever happened to me. And uh, I grew up in an all black neighborhood, but I went to an all white private school. That was the name of it, all white private school. And the only thing that kept me um, on the same level uh, in both worlds, in you know my all black neighborhood and my all white school was television. And I devoured television, everything that was on, uh, I watched. And it was, whether it was the variety shows of the seventies or the Saturday morning cartoons, and with the kids at school that, that picked on me and bullied me uh, because they were rich white kids and weren't allowed to watch television because their parents told them I had a TV in my room uh, because my dad didn't want my brother and I to fight. So we got separate rooms and he put a TV in mine. So I watched everything. So the kids who weren't allowed to watch TV, and this is my cat, Amber, by the way, she's heard the story and she's riveted. So oh, yeah. she wants me to tell it again. Amber. <laughs> He's probably going to get her own sitcom after this. I love it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I remember the dialogue and I w- would act it out, uh, the shows that I watch uh, the next day on in, in school. And the, the kids got a, got a kick out of that. So I always liked entertaining and always liked making people happy, making people smile. Um, and that, I, that went on from puberty to adultery. Uh, just the, the love of wanting to make a people smiling happy and I, I did stand up at a, at a high school and I kept trying to, to plug in on that but my parents desire for me to get a job a real job uh, so I didn't put all my energy into uh, uh, comedy uh, the way I wanted to but all the TV that I watched though August it paid off because when cable TV hit there was a show on MTV and kids if you're watching at home MTV used to be 24-hour videos all day, every day. And every once in a while, they would have an original program. And they had a game show on MTV called Remote Control, which was made for 
kids 18 to 25, uh, kids just like me. And it was all pop culture at the time and TV trivia and music trivia and all that. So I'd watch this show every day and it was on, it was syndicated, it was on MTV five days a week. And every single question they asked on the show, I got right. Not just some of them, every question they asked on this game show, I got right. Imagine if you're watching Jeopardy now and you know every single question. Mm -hmm. That's how I was. So at the end of the show, they put a little 1-800 number. If you want to be a contestant, I, I called it. Uh, they asked me to come down to New York, to New York University and to, you know, audition. They had, they were grabbing people off the street because nobody was showing up for the audition to be on remote control. So just like, um, I did at home, uh, I did, we did a mock game show and I got every question, right. And they said, okay, that's great. And so they asked me to come back December 23rd, 1989 for the taping of MTV remote control. And there were four shows that day. We were there from 8 a.m. till 7 p.m. And they do four shows. And there were three contestants each. So I was on show number three. The first person I met there was Adam Sandler. But I didn't know his name because up until then, he he was only Stud Boy. That's the character he played on remote control. Okay. So I just called him, I just called him Stud Boy. I said, hey, Stud Boy. He said, hey, man, how you doing? Put out his hand, shook his hand. Said, nice to meet you. And I went up there and we, uh, Colin Quinn was the other person I met and Dennis Leary, Mario Joyner were all on the show and we taped remote control. And just like I did at the audition, just like I did when I was sitting in my bedroom at home, when I did remote control, I got every single question right. I mm -hmm. didn't question. And um, it's on YouTube, folks, if you want to see me, 23 year old me, um, on MTV and I won, uh, stereo. I won a guitar. I won, uh, a 13 inch color TV set. I won a whole bunch of CDs from, um, I chrysalis records and I won a motorcycle and the, I missed the grand prize. The grand prize was a trip to Colorado to go ski, a ski trip, a ski weekend ski trip to Colorado. I missed that. But the, the show before me, the grand prize was a trip to uh, Bermuda. And the show after me, the grand prize was, was a car. So I got wow. the, uh, yeah. But that's how my, uh, my love of, uh, of TV and consuming all things pop culture paid off in a prize winning effort on remote control. And for some reason, I thought I'd get discovered after that. I thought, oh, well, soon, soon as some casting agency is being right. remote it snatched up i didn't uh but i kept on uh went back into stand-up i did a lot of sketch comedy with my uh did it was an improv group if you can believe that and we did uh we performed for about seven years in and around philly and then we started doing short films and we were participants in a 48-hour film festival that's when and i know this is up your alley august but mm -hmm. i don't I, and even i don't know if you can you can probably pull this off but the 48-hour film festival is um, you would get a topic, you would get a genre, you would get a an object, you get a line of dialogue, and you had 48 hours mm -hmm. from Friday at 7 o'clock to Sunday at 7 to write, shoot, produce, and edit 
and score, if you have time, a movie in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. And we did that every year for about five years, and we won we won Best Film a couple times, and we won um, Best Use of Prop uh, two other times, Best Sound, and we had Best Music. So we were I was doing that for about five years straight. And then I got the idea when I was working at uh, WHYY Channel 12, which is a local PBS show here in Philly, when I was working there, so I was working in television, that all the the love I had for TV and all all the things that TV has given me, I should do a show about it. So I did, I wrote my own one-man show called My Life in 19 Inches, and I talked about my life growing up um, watching TV and how it's changed my life and how television has changed since from the 70s, 80s, 90s, up until today. And I've been doing that around uh, theaters here in Philly. I've done it at the Walden Street Theater. I've done it at the Adrian Theater. I did it at the Rotundo, uh, where we were going to shoot Center City 2. Right. But uh, I've, I've done that show. Uh, I, this will be the 15-year anniversary of doing my life in 19 inches, and I'm bringing it back again in 2023. Yes. It's going to be called My Life in the Pandemic because uh, during 2020, the, the worst decade um, of all time, when we were forced to stay inside and not go anywhere and we were just we as americans were had to stay inside and watch tv well this is right up my alley this is the one thing i've been doing for all of my life so i've been so good at it so i explore that part of it so that's what i've been up to and in the meantime uh trying desperately to get in a strange films production (laughs) and this year i finally made it oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) That's a that's such a great uh, background, man. I mean, just so many different moving parts and consistency of trying to be in entertainment and performing and being a part of productions and everything like that. And like I said, I watched uh, I was watching the remote control uh, episode earlier this morning, uh, which I'll, I'll put in the show notes for people if they want to watch it on YouTube. <laughs> um, it's great, man, because I saw you on the spinning wheel. <laughs> and you and you guessed and you were hitting all those music videos except for maybe one. And- I missed one and it's Bon Jovi. And it's the reason why I've never spoken to Bon Jovi before or since then. Um, but the thing is, uh, this, uh, on the remote control, we were on the, this is the fourth season of the show. The seasons prior to that, they would sit you on a Barca lounger and they'd have nine uh, video screens going on at the same time. And you had just to pick one each one and identify a music video on the screen as it's, they're all playing at the same time for everyone you get right, the screen goes blank. So I was ready to do that. When they unveiled this wheel, I had never seen it before in my life. I had no idea what we were doing. For those of you who don't know, when I get to the final round of remote control, they tie you to a wheel and a giant wheel mm-hmm. and my hands and feet are strapped. And there's video monitors at my head and at my feet. And they spin me at 33 and a third RPMs and I have to guess the videos as they're playing as I'm spinning. Now, I can hear the video. I can hear them. And that's what reason why I got most of them. But I couldn't see them all because I was, I'm spinning. And it's Colin Quinn and the late, great Ken Ober that are spinning me as I'm trying to guess all nine of these videos. For every one I got right, they give you another prize. Mm-hmm. If I get all nine, I get the grand prize. I guessed eight, and I didn't get the last one, which was... Bon Jovi, lay your hands on me, and which I'd never seen in the beginning. I'd seen the video, but they were showing me the very beginning. I never saw the beginning, so I missed it. 
but you'll see. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I highly recommend everyone watching it. It's a, it's it's a really nice throwback, and it's it's cool. And you, I mean, you're you're good. You killed it the whole a whole episode, and I just thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I watched some of your uh, variety show uh, mm-hmm. today with uh, your one hour variety show, which was fun. And uh, the you. night I did watch um, uh, about two or three minutes of your My Life in Nineteen Inches, and you had the PJs on the stage with the bed and everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why I was recreating my my bed yeah. on on stage because that's where I did majority of my TV watching was in my bedroom. So on stage, it's just me in my pajamas watching TV and talking about TV while the images are on my back or behind me on the big screen and going from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s and how much television has changed and how much um, I've changed and how I see television and how television um not just how we look at TV, but how we look at each other. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I talk about in, especially growing up watching TV in the seventies, uh, between shows like good times and Jefferson's and all in the family, uh, and Sanford and son, you could have heard the N word about six or seven times a week. And this is without parental ad- advisory. It wasn't due to mature themes. They just said it. Oh, wow. And that was part of my childhood growing up because you hear that word on a popular TV show like All in the Family or the Jeffersons. And then the next day at school, I'd hear that being said to me, but it was said in jest. It was said because they're repeating the same thing they heard on the TV show the night before. But it's weird how how much weight that word carries now. But back then, it was... You know, people saw that as a compliment or just saw it as a, as a joke. Hmm. So that's one of the things I talk about in my show and, and dealing with that from 70s to the 80s and, you know, and, and so on. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's been quite a journey. And um, it's not over yet. There's, there's plenty more to come. Absolutely. Um, and But the consistency of you being this charismatic guy and this really like that host energy and you're funny and all these things, I mean – I think that's really wonderful to uh, to see and, and hear about your all of this experience and everything. Um, and one thing I did want to ask you was, I now I see you post photos quite a bit of you, like maybe with a celebrity of of some sort. <laughs> Have you really met that many celebrities? And and how how do you run about with all these guys? Well, you know, um, <laughs> I have met all the celebrities. Of when I worked when I worked in television briefly when I worked at uh, WHYY Channel 12, which is a local PBS station here in Philly, uh, we also double as a radio station. So in that in the uh, the building where I worked uh, at the TV station was also the radio station, and I had no idea that one of the people that was doing a radio show there while I was working at the TV station was Fresh Air uh, with Terry Gross. And I hadn't heard of, I never listened to Fresh Air. I never heard of Terry Gross. I was doing, I was working at the mailroom at the time. And I kept getting all these letters for, for Terry Gross. And they had, she had to get a separate bin because she got so many letters. And I would drop them off in her office and I would never see her. And then um, one time I was talking to a coworker about uh, Albert Brooks. And this tiny little woman walks by. I said, Albert Brooks, he's a great guy. I, I talked to him several times. I said, you met Albert Brooks? And she goes, yeah. And then we were start talking about our favorite Albert Brooks movies. And he goes, yeah, she was really cool. And then I walk away. 
And then um, my coworker Ken goes, "You were talking to Terry Gross." I said, "When? When was <laughs> that? Was her?" I said, "Oh, that was Terry. That, okay." And even when I went back, yeah, it was Terry Gross. You work for Terry Gross? Had no idea. Mm. Um, so when people would come in August to be interviewed by Terry Gross, and it would be they could be not just in Philly, they would could be in New York and just drive by just to be just to talk to her. And so I would go to work not knowing one day I'd wake, I'd go to the bathroom into the men's room and I look over and there's David Duchovny washing his hands Wow. Uh, or Pat Croce or mm-hmm. Bernie Mac or Ice Cube. Uh, probably one of the weirdest times was when uh, I saw these men in black suits were stationed at every exit. And I was like, I knew, I know the building security, but I don't know those guys. And so who are, why are they here? Oh, they're here because Jimmy Carter was coming the oh, next day, gosh. but he was there the day that all the security was there the day before. So every once in a while, when a celebrity would come by and they've always been cool, mm-hmm. but Terry was always nice enough to say, Oh, this is Craig. He's a, he's a big fan of yours. And again, the celebrities are great. Matt Damon was a lot of fun and it helped because Matt Damon was in town shooting Jersey girl, uh, directed by Kevin Smith. That's a callback. Yep. And uh, <laughs> he was there. He was in town shooting the first Born, Born Identity film. This was 2000, uh, 2001. And uh, we were talking about the Red Sox. And I had to pretend like, yeah, I think they're great. Being a <laughs> Phillies fan, that's really hard. But he, you see the picture, he put his arm around me. It's great. And I said, um, and when I saw him again on the set of Jersey Girl, because that was shooting, of all places, at my girlfriend's, uh, office building, and the if you've seen Jersey Girl, the scene where uh, Ben Affleck tries to get a job with this advertising firm, and it's it's Matt Damon and Jason Lee were uh, the ones that were going to give him the job. They shot that at my girlfriend's old office building, so she got me in there. So when I saw Matt again, he recognized me because, "Hey, how you doing?" Oh, sweet. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So that's how I get the 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 uh, celebrities. Uh, that I I met and the ones that I got a picture with the ones that were really nice uh, Kevin uh, Klein was great you know, Bruce Campbell awesome and Bruce Campbell gave me the best advice uh, and to any one of you uh, potential actors out there that want to star in one of August's films I said to Mr. Campbell I said do you have any uh, advice for an aspiring potential B movie actor like yourself and he goes let me ask you a question uh, do you want to be an actor or do you want to be famous? Hmm. And I was like, hmm, I want to be famous. Because, well, then shoot the president. Huh? If you want to be an actor, forget about being famous. Wow. Yeah. Huh. From Bruce, from the chin himself. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I met the celebrity. You work in a TV station that houses one of the greatest uh, broadcasters of all time, Terry Gross, who's uh, been. I think she was in the National Radio Hall of Fame now, and she was even on The Simpsons. Then that's how you get to meet those celebrities. It's just by hanging around. Yeah, that's <laughs> fascinating. And I mean, it's it kind of always goes back to what people say. It's like kind of how you network, how, who you know. And I mean, for your occasion, also maybe it was some sometimes the uh, right place, right time kind of deal, also. But that's that's I mean, that's awesome. I was always like, I saw. I mean, you you would post so many. <laughs> Memories of photos of uh, different celebrities. Like, how does he meet all these people? <laughs> like, 
those all those celebrities pictures are all in the same place yeah within a two-year period okay um, one of the four now i will say one of the 48-hour films we did uh was called eugene elliott and it was about a day in the life of a uh, of a serial killer or one of the movie monsters you know with jason and mm-hmm. um mike myers we um we were uh given the documentary as our our genre and uh we did a a faux documentary as one of these movies slasher guys and what he's like in real life and he's married he's got to take the garbage out he's got to you know yeah. all that kind of stuff nice and we we called it eugene elliott after our favorite comedians uh which was eugene levy and chris elliott so when i got to meet eugene levy i, I got to give him a copy of that and tell him uh how much i, I admired him and he let me touch his face so wow the, the picture of me and eugene levy that was him just being a being a great guy cool um well let's lead into how did you uh how did it come to be with comic book gurus podcast like how did you get into like working at that studio at wmmr um you said that was number one radio uh station in philly and i remember when we went to go get interviewed there i, I mean we were blown away how nice it was and everything and you just looked and this was before I really was doing a lot of interviews and podcasting and stuff like that. So I was like, whoa, this is like extremely <laughs> perfect. Like this is the biggest studio I've ever been in. And, and like, it was just, it's really, really nice. And obviously you're an incredible host too, but how did that um, kind of come to be and, and everything? Well, I was, um, I was a big fan of the, uh, the morning show here in Philly, the, the president Steve show in Philadelphia is the number one morning radio show in Philly. And they've been the number one morning radio show for about 15, 15 years now. And uh, I was a fan of their show. And the running gag on the show is because it's an all rock station. Then uh, the, the joke is they only have nine black listeners. So I wrote a wrote them a rap song called Black Listener, being one of the nine black listeners. And uh, they liked it. They played it on the air like twice a week for a whole week. This is during Black History Month, by the way. They weren't okay. played any other time. Um, so after that, and that was in 2008. Oh my God, it's gone on 15 years since I've been with the show. Anyway, uh, so after I sent that in and I would call in every once in a while and give my uh, my two cents because of my pop culture knowledge and they would have me as a guest on the show. And when I um, had my uh, one-man show, My Life in 19 Inches, they would bring me on to promote it. But when this comic book stuff started, um, the, when the comic book movie boom happened around 2008, because I've always been a huge fan of comic books, um, and they would be talking about it, and they wouldn't be familiar with Iron Man or um, Captain America, I would call in and offer my two cents And when the movies would come out. And Steve of the Preston Steve Show is also a huge comic book fan and he's got action figures like that would rival any museum he's got the i mean not just the action but the big like statues of like frank miller's batman and uh around 2017 we were at a uh preston steve event and he pulls me aside now keep in mind up until here up until then august i've been a guest on a like 20 different podcasts because podcasting was just getting off the ground in 2014, 15, and people needed guests. So I would jump on and talk about, we either were talking about television or professional wrestling or cartoons or movies. And I'd always been a guest. And um, 
and my friends who had me on as a guest would say, why don't you get your own podcast? I said, I don't want my own podcast. It's ridiculous. No one wants to hear me talk. I'd rather be a guest. I'd rather talk to you or talk to somebody about stuff that I'm passionate about, but I don't want to do a podcast. Forget it. So 2017, uh, Steve comes up to me and goes, um, I'm thinking about putting together a podcast. Uh, would you mind hosting it? I said, sure. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Come on. When? And he goes, he, and uh, Rockstar Rob, who, who worked for uh, MMR, is also another um, comic book fan because he owned literally, literally owned about 10,000 comic books. So he goes, I want to put you guys together. And I'd known Rob because when we'd go to, to um, events, uh, I'd always see him. But we never talk comic books. That was the weirdest thing. I had no idea. So Steve comes to me and says, I want to do a comic book podcast. It's going to be produced by MMR. You can do it right here in the studio at the MMR studio. So if you want to have guests on, you can bring them to the studio and it would look professional as opposed to, you know, somebody's basement or in a garage or something. So that's when we, uh, we hit it off. And like I said, early on, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have any guests and we were, we were looking for guests. And then I come across a, a Facebook message on comic book guru's Facebook page from your dad that says, um, my son and I are do these independent films and we have one called Center City. If you're ever interested in having a song, we'd love to. And that was in April of uh, 2018. And then like June or July came by and said, man, we really need some guests here. And I said, wait a minute. And then I went back and that's when I contacted uh, your dad, Frank, and I said, can you guys come in? And because by this time you had already started, uh, was it? You had started the woman. Yeah, around that time, I think we've already done Butch, uh, and then the woman was. I think we just got done shooting it. Or that trip in around July, I believe, that was when I went up and was shooting the woman. Yeah. So that's yeah. Not, so it was, weird it was, thing like that. <laughs> shooting the woman. We yeah. didn't shoot an actual woman. It was with a camera, and just with the cool. camera, the film, yeah. the woman on Strange Films. <laughs> <Check it out. laughs> but but that's how I got started. Uh, Steve from Preston the Sea just approached me and said we we wanted uh, I want you to host the podcast because all the, the comic book movie stuff is going crazy and they would talk about it on the show uh, whenever a new uh, big Marvel production would come out and I would call in and offer my two cents and by this time Steve was like you know we can have you on for like an hour talking about this stuff because they love it and I love it so we're just going to give you a podcast and you can do it right here in the studio and that's how it all that's how it all came about. Wow. That's, that's awesome, man. I mean, it's, it's just really interesting how it all kind of comes together, you know, like you're just doing your thing. Like you said, it's like, I, you, you were more of a guest. You, you love talking about this stuff anyways. And then you're doing it so much calling in so much. We're like, just get your own show. Here you go. <laughs> exactly. I thought, and I still think it's because all the got tired of me calling in and saying, if we give him his own podcast, he'll leave yeah. us alone. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great, man. I, I think that's a, uh, a wonderful story and uh the, the, the show like i said i was so impressed and it, and you guys uh you and rockstar rob have a great chemistry on on the show itself and you guys are very informative obviously and and know what you're talking about and everything so I, uh I, I can't wait to see when it picks back up with the video version as well and your additional guest or your additional host that was a good thing and i would say this august thank you for the compliment but i can say the show is only as good as the guests having you guys on was always fun um, because you, you, you're funny, you're interesting, you're smart, 
and you know what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. we've had guests where I was looking forward to talking with them, and they were complete duds, or they didn't know how to tell a story. So it's it's I, we, the show is only as good as it gets. Yes. So when we had you guys on, or when we had uh, uh, Nikki and and Jenny on, or when we had the whole five of God, I think that was the biggest cast we ever had on one right. show. It was you, your dad, Jenny, Erica, and Nikki mm-hmm. all, all in one studio. Yeah, it was a packed uh, one. Yeah, but it was fun because, again, because of the guests. So mm. thank you for being that, a good guest. Yeah, thank you. And uh, that was one of, still to date, that's, that was one of our favorite shows we've ever been a part of. So uh, and I'll, I'll link that episode just in case anyone wants to go back and listen to that as well, uh, which I'll have to go back and listen to it. Also see how things have uh, evolved or changed or anything <laughs> like that. As far as stuff me and Frank were talking about with strange films and center city and all that. Um, but that, that's a good uh, launching pad from there to kind of get to you working with us. Um, so, you know, obviously Frank's fashion is to, yeah, I mean, I'm, and this because he always messages people and is like, hey, if you ever, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's able to do that and uh, and connect us to start with. But ever since, you know, we got on the show together, we've been in touch. And I know he's talked to you quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. after after that and kind of was like, hey, you know, something presents itself. I'd love to get you a part of, uh, I think, Center City first is what he was pitching to you. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, from 2019, to now you know obviously we went through a lot of changes with uh covid that slowed everything down because we started shooting center city to the end of 2019 like around the fall time and i think by that time i'm assuming you were already kind of confirmed with frank maybe at that point to be uh teddy the character in center city 2 or at least he was kind of pitching that idea to you um but then 2020 comes around cancels everything so we got i think one shoot at maybe a year later, but I had, I wasn't able to go. So we had another um, like cinematographer and director come in and help shoot some of those scenes. And then last year, 2021, well, 2021. So almost two years ago now, um, when we were, we were still needing to do center city two scenes, we did some, but we were also kind of just needing a break from that world. So we, we started to make this other film, Frank wrote Raven. And when Raven came around, which was a, like the fall of 2021, mm-hmm. uh, we had these cops in mind, and, and obviously he we pulled you to be one of the cops. And it's a it's a very small but very intense scene of you and uh, Jeremy running through the house and catching the Raven Hair Strangler at the end of Raven. But that was the first time. Yeah, that was the first time we worked together, and I think yeah. my work as a police officer is what got you those awards. I believe um, so, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I will say, um, so that was our first time meeting you. We, we actually worked together. We were we knew yes. we were going to work with you again in Center City 2, which we'll we'll get into that here in a second. But when we worked together in Raven, and and you know, we you hung out for the most of the uh, most of the time, and you were you were just like patient and and very like excited and to start and everything. And then uh, when 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 I just yelled action, and you your body language and your intensity with your voice and your facial expressions, everything I was like already like really, really impressed. And then what got me the most though, what I think after um, everything was said and done, I still look back and when I watched the movie is your final line of delivery at the end, you know, uh, the shot where you, you look down at uh, Ray's book as after he 
uh, shoots himself in the movie, and then and you look up and you're like, it was you, and you're just like, it's it was just like this really raw moment that I was like, this this was the best thing we could have. I mean, I'm so happy that we had you on the movie because it just added just like just an extra uh, in depth character into the like in the history of the the Raven Hair Strangler as well. And I just I was just really really impressed by not only your uh, talent but also just how kind and, and fun you were to be around. Uh, but what was your experience like, you know, working on, on Raven? It, it was, uh, it was crazy. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you. Um, you're, you're a, a great director. Again, this goes back to the, to the host guest thing. I'm only as good as the, the director. Um, and thank you. If you liked my performance, uh, it was, it was crazy in a sense that, I was excited, obviously, to finally get to work with uh, with you and Frank um, on a on any project because we've been talking uh, about Center City too for the longest time. But I needed a ride up to it was shot at the beautiful Tina Schwobel's um, home, mm-hmm. uh, but I was getting a ride from Jeremy Jeremy Delval, who played my fellow police officer. Jeremy and I had never met. And we weren't even friends on Facebook. So I was getting picked up and driven across state lines by a complete stranger. And we had to meet each other uh, down at Penn's Landing. So I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know what his car looked like. And I'm going to shoot this horror film. So I say, this is exactly how horror movies start. Just like this. So uh, we found each other. We met. We clicked. Great guy. So, and I've been on film sets before. I'm, I'm a professional extra, well, I should say professional background artist. I've been in um, Signs and uh, The Happening and uh, most of M. Night's uh, stuff that's shot here in Philly. Uh, Blowout was a Brian De Palma film a long time ago. I was one of the kids running with Rocky and Rocky Two when he was oh, running wow. them steps. Yeah, so I know, I understand the, the, uh, the concept of hurry up and wait. So this was one of the nicer sets as it were, because Tina's got a beautiful home. Oh yeah. So I didn't mind, you know, waiting and waiting around uh, because, and the thing is, we're all there to make your vision come to life. We're all there to, to do a part. So um, when I'm on a set, no matter what set, even if I'm with 300 extra people, um, like in uh, Unbreakable, I was in the, um, the stadium scene where Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson are waiting and the guy was in line. They had the, there was about 300 of us. We were there all day. Hmm. Um, but I also, I, but in something like that, I knew not to, to mess around. I know it can get tedious and get boring, but when this case, it was such a small production, just a small cast of people that I'm meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. I want it to be the best for you. So whatever I can do to make it, and because you're such a great director and because you're so flexible, that line that you liked that you kept in the movie was completely improvised. They, I didn't have a script. I didn't have any lines in the script other than it, put your hands up, mm-hmm. sir. But that was it. Everything else uh, I came up with and Jeremy came up with on our own. So to, it's credit to you. Again, it's only as good as a director uh, letting me improv. And letting me use that line and keeping that line in, that's all you. So thank you for the compliment, but uh, the credit goes to to you. It's your film. Well, we always like to give our actors creative freedom with their 
lines of dialogue and and also you know a lot of times especially i know how frank works he'll write something on the script and it's kind of really open-ended and he'll kind of mm-hmm. talk with you guys one-on-one saying like like you know with you and jeremy which jeremy did a great job too if he if he's listening he did a phenomenal job and i, and I, I remember listening to you both like kind of choreograph like how you guys are going to talk and where you guys your movements and everything and and his lines and stuff were great in the film too um but frank will leave like kind of an open setting where it's like hey you two are going to be cops and we're going to also like you know whatever comes from that is is great to add to it because maybe we don't know exactly what we even want to write with that unless it's a very character driven plot point or something like that but you know i think when we write stuff like that, it's definitely in the hands of you. You got a lot of power too, just to provide and add anything to it. And I just was really taken back from the whole sequence that we shot and we shot it really quick, but I was like, I was like, Whoa, that was, that was super fun. And seeing it play back now, it it really shows. Um, So when center city two finally comes around (laughs) late, uh just last month we were shooting finally um and we had you were you are playing this character teddy in mm-hmm. in the film teddy james and whoo this guy <laughs> this guy um and i'm gonna give you a chance to kind of talk about all this but for me just for kind of knowing who you are um and all the only interactions in person we've had and some brief conversations on you know what we talk to each other on facebook and stuff like that but knowing how like just nice and sweet of a person you are and you and like how you treat others and everything like that and i read the script that frank gives me with teddy and i'm like Oh my god! I'm like, is this? I was like, is Craig okay with this? I was like, does he know what who Teddy is? Like, what this is about? And I mean, you had this conversation on the way back from shooting, but um, I just, it's such a dark, mean, very very scary character, and he's a villain. I mean, he's one of my new favorite villains of Strange Films, and and again, I you know, you brought something to that that was just even more intense and and fun than i imagine it was going to be but yeah give us your kind of um your take on teddy james in the center city universe um and going into that role well i because i had the script for such a long time mm-hmm. i was able to read it the original script um and I, I was able to read uh through my parts and through the whole scenario the whole scene of uh of teddy's um uh, big night so i kind of surmised who he was and his past present and future and that was uh, something that um that denzel washington has always done with every role he's ever had he writes out a biography of who this character is and who how he got this way and you know even for training day which a movie that he was only shot in one day he had a whole background of who this person was and i always try to do that even with you know if it's a small you know, it's a kind of like with the cop I did in, in Raven. Mm-hmm. My backstory was he's been chasing this guy for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And ever since he was a rookie cop and he knew about the Raven haired killer and he was always trying to find him. And now we think, oh, my God, it was you. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Teddy, uh, he's someone that always saw that never that doesn't see himself as a bad guy. He sees himself as an entertainer. He's providing a service uh people want what he has and i want to give it to you i want you and i want you to have a good time while i give it to you 
Now, the materials that I have, and he sees the women as his material, uh, you're going to enjoy. Uh, just give me a chance to make them ready for you. So what he sees is providing a service to uh, the city of Philadelphia. He's always been doing, he's been doing this for a long time. The only person that's ever gotten in his way or it's been like an obstacle to him, it's been the queen. And he sees her as an obstacle to get out of the way. He sees the woman as an obstacle to get out of the way. And when we meet Teddy, this is his big night. It's finally come to fruition. He's found out um, loosely that the queen is dead. So there is nothing stopping him now. So everyone's got to be happy. This is a big night for me. So everyone's got to be on point. That means the woman on his arm, uh, to every, everyone's got to look the same. Everyone's got to look great. Everyone's got to be on focus. I want the girls to say champagne at the same time. I want everything to be in precision. Uh, Autumn had to backtalk me, so she has to be in the cage. And when she comes out, I'm going to bring her out because I need everybody to be on the same page tonight. So I see him as someone who meticulous in everything that he does right down to how he's dressed and right down to how not only how he looks but how everyone looks so he doesn't and not on this night when we're meeting teddy everything's got to be perfect so he doesn't brook any back talk and with sugar who's his favorite who they might have been a couple beforehand uh they probably they've been together for a while so much so that she feels comfortable into talking back to teddy and saying the F you, Teddy, which he wouldn't take from anyone else. But he takes it, he when he hears it from her, he's aghast, he's shocked, he can't believe this. But he knows he, he's not going, and she knows that he's not going to kill her because he needs her. That's why in the movie, when you see it, he threatens to kill Sunshine. Mm -hmm. He knows that will get to her because he can't, He's done everything he can do to Sunshine. He's beaten her. He's bitten her. He's, she's probably been in the cage and taken everything away from her. So she's done. She's got nothing left. And Teddy knows that, but he also knows that he can't kill her, so he's going to threaten Sunshine. I just saw that as an opera. I just saw all this in the words that you wrote. And again, with your direction and giving creative freedom, being able to play with it, and of course, August, after we were done, I had all these great lines as soon as I got home that I wish I would have said, and I could have done that, and I, I wanted to re, I, as soon as I got home, I swear to God, I wanted to reshoot all my scenes again, wow. because I wanted to get everyone back, because I had yeah. so much more I wanted to, I wanted to say, I wanted to, uh, to do, I, I felt bad, I, I apologized to Tara, because oh, yeah. I, I stepped on her line, I didn't let her say one of the, the lines that she was going to say. So I wanted to go back and, and give that back to her. I, I wanted to say there was a line in the in in the script where Terrace, I say to to Sunshine Tara, go mingle. And she goes, But I thought I was your special lady. Mm -hmm. And then I was going to say, Mingle, bitch, or I mangle a bitch. Mm -hmm. And I cut and I totally and so I apologized to her. So that's yeah, I but I it was a great part, great lines great director that gives me creative uh, freedom. So it was just an opportunity to uh, play something, I guess people would say against type, 
someone that I, I'm, I'm not, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So thank you for, uh, for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, and thank you, man. And I, and people who are listening, um, obviously this is going to come out quite a a little bit of time before Center City 2 comes out. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but just to kind of prepare you for this, this, uh, the scene that we're talking about it is it is just you know and it's it's i will describe it as chaos because a lot of our center city stuff is chaos and when we have a room full of people of every different kind of person you can think of and they're all different personalities and it's really a dark kind of centered story around Mm -hmm. it and you've got just like every little quirky thing is a really fun um uh part of the film and scene it's uh you can you came in when it was time to shoot your first line you came in like a bang and everyone i i my my favorite part of after uh after that was just like you know you go cut and everyone goes oh shit (laughs) because that's just because that's when you know this is a hit this is this is good and uh you know you just come out like so hot man you you looked fantastic uh you you know you're you've got that host that stage presence coming out um just there's just so many little and big things about that role and the story that we were trying to tell in that that scene that um it gave me a lot of excitement again going back into center city too because it's just been such a long road and you know my i know frank he feels um a lot of like pressure and stress about it especially because he talked to you for so long um about the role he talked to like people like eileen and and ray and just all these people who've been attached to this project for so long and we're just now kind of finishing it so Mm -hmm. there's also all this kind of just like this uh weight that i felt like we kind of went into it but when we shot that scene i will say me and frank both looked at each other was like this it's back on we're we're so excited this is good (laughs) got everything back on track and we're like as far as our our passion excitement for the project it's gonna be a wacky looking film because it's shot over the course of like four years but but it will be fun and i truly believe everyone a part of it will um have fun with it and enjoy it for what it is but uh i i was really taken back uh but not only your talent i want to say thank you because you always were reassuring me you're always telling me that uh look I'm be patient. Like you were trying to tell me to be patient because I was kind of getting stressed because other factors were trying to I almost felt like it was rushing me. And I was right. like trying to move things along. And you kept saying, look, don't worry about me. Don't worry about this. Like you got this. We're doing this for you. And even if I had a great take from you, like I'll do it again. You know, I want you to be happy. You always had a lot of great, um, like reassuring things for me on the directing side. And you also expressed your, uh, kindness and and positive reinforcement to all the actors around you as well, especially the the ladies, because you know that it's such a weird dark scene, and you're just kind of going up to every lady on set and being like, "Are you okay? Do we need anything? How, you're doing great here, you know, like just all that great stuff." And that that goes such a long way, you know. And I'm just really proud of you. I'm really proud of everyone that worked with us that day. Um, I'm really proud of just how it all came together and. Very excited to see it come on screen because, like you said, it's a kind of against character art or character type maybe, but it's just wow! It's gonna be a performance, man, and um, I'm just very proud and and want to say thank you for all the hard work and help you gave on set. Well, it's my pleasure, uh, August. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And like I said to you on set, this is your vision. This is um, you and and Frank's vision. 
uh, we're all here for you. And uh, you're the director and what you say goes. So you have more power than you think you do. And I know there was, it, that was a long day. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long, a lot of long days, a lot of long shoots. This was a very unique set. This was we were in someone's home first mm-hmm. of all, um, and uh, we were in someone's basement, very cold basement. Same uh, basement we shot Raven in. <laughs> same basement we shot Raven in. Same house. Uh, yeah, same house. Uh, but this is a basement in December. Yes. And the women that were there were dressed um, not warmly. Right. So uh, I don't know for a lot of them, it was their uh, first time uh, shooting and then, and a couple of them it was their first movies ever. So what I wanted, what I tried to do was try to, I, I saw first of all, I talked to everyone on the set. I, I tried to do that with every project I ever do with anything, whether it's on stage or radio or whatever, uh, and find out how everyone's doing. And especially with that, with, for those circumstances where we were in that cold, cold basement for hours and hours at a time, uh, talking to everyone and making sure everyone was okay. Uh, Lindsay, Autumn, um, Sana, all of them dressed impeccably, amazingly great. But I also know that they were, we don't have to wear short skirts and high heels. So right. I'm, I was fine. I was in a three piece suit and I was good, but I know a lot of them weren't. And with, uh, Jenny Pacifica, who was my co-star, uh, who played, uh, Sugar, Oh, I know we had a lot of intense scenes together and we, and we had connected three years ago when we first, when I was first given the script and we became friends. So this is the second time we've ever met. The first time was a, a photo shoot we did for Center City 2 almost exactly a year ago between before the, the shoot date uh, when me, uh, uh, Jeanette and uh, Eileen were doing a photo shoot for uh, Center City 2. So we got along fine, but before every take, I would say, um, are you good? Are you, you, do you want to water or anything like that? And I said, no, she's fine. And when you said action and I had to get into it, but again, I'm not only as good as my partner. And, uh, she kept, I just kept focusing on her eyes cause I didn't want to break. And the thing, the same time when I, when you're acting, when you have to say these incredibly cruel, vile things, to this complete stranger and it's all for the for a film that we're trying to finish for a director that wants to finish this film that's been even if we hadn't been doing this for four years trying to get this on the screen just trying to get the best out of everyone involved was my only goal so i was using the words that were written i took a lot of creative license but just trying to give the best that i can for you and for jeanette because I want her to be good too. So at the end, when she felt scared, I was like, good. That's, I was trying mm-hmm. to do it. If she looked at me the whole time with a smirk, then to me, I wasn't doing my job um, to be Teddy and to be Teddy James and to be Teddy James is to be intimidating, is to be nasty, is to be cruel, is to be vile and is to get in someone's face. So that was the, um, the, the joy of doing that part and also the the sorrow because I had to yell at Janet Pacifico for three hours. <laughs> well, <laughs> then, yeah, she did fantastic too. I mean, that whole scene, I mean, she brings a level of intensity as well that just matches this standoff that you two are having essentially uh, in this little room that we're all kind of piled into. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to be a very, very exciting scene. Um and and just the story that goes into it, I'm I'm really 
happy and excited and, and proud to share and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm just very thankful for the experience and and so glad I got to kind of see what I knew you already had, but on just just this higher level and and it made me just really pumped. I was like, man, we need more scenes with him. I'm like, what are we doing? So. I see now I feel now I, that's how I felt when I said I should have said I should have said more. I wanted to because I when I was in face to face with Jeanette, I wanted to say I, I I need everybody to be on the same page with me. And I wanted to turn and look at the other girls, Sunshine and Autumn and say, everybody. Uh, yeah. everyone! That's good. Yeah. But I again, I all this came into my head after we had we had finished shooting. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's not. But uh I don't know if you're a fan. Of, you're a fan of prequels of uh, Center City, but you ever want to tell the Teddy James story or how he rose to power? Uh, me and Frank already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be getting a call. <laughs> I look forward to. It. I got. I still got the suit. If and, you want uh, to do it, I'm sure. I'm sure that's uh, because me and Frank, we who after we shot a lot of that stuff. Uh, a lot of ideas were coming up and, and Teddy James was one of them and, and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I'm always down for something like that, but I think we just want to make sure whatever new center city stuff we do. And I think we have a much clearer vision of how we would handle new center yeah. city installments, but uh, we just, mm-hmm. we kept, we felt like we got a little carried away with some, uh, the, from the first one to this last one, but um, we were learning too. We were all learning and growing and, yeah. uh and everything but I'm, I'm i'm just happy i'm happy for the whole journey but yeah yeah, yeah. i i would i would bet that frank after he listens to this is like i'm calling him right now <laughs> well the, you know this whole thing is a journey and what you're doing with all your films it's it's a journey to get where you know each one is is better it, every film you do uh is better is bigger um and you're building towards something so but this center city too is a you know, it's like your boyhood or your it's it's an entity of in and of itself because of how long we went through this journey. I was talking to Victoria. I said, I think you're Victoria at the beginning of this film. You're <laughs> you're the you're the protege. By the end of the film, you're the madam. Because yeah, right, right. Right. Um, but it but it it makes it builds your care. It it's, it creates memories and it creates your experience. Now, you know, thanks to Center City 2 what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. And you understand this whole thing is going to make you a better filmmaker and it's going to make you um, a better director because of all the, the, the hazards and the stops and starts with this. And the fact that you shot a successful film, an, an award-winning film in between Center City 2 is credit to you and how good a director you are and because you keep focused. And that's the one thing you can't lose sight of is your focus. As long as you keep the eye on what you want to do and how you want to do it, then there's no stopping. There's no telling how much you can do. So, but I agree with you. Let's get Center City 2 done in the can and yes. out already before we can start uh, yes. thinking about other Center City projects. But uh, just glad it's done. Yeah. Awesome, man. Me too. And thank you for the, the kind words and the continued motivation to keep going, man. It's uh, Sometimes it is get a little challenging, but uh, I'm – there. I know there's something here with everything that we've done and, and whatnot. And 2023 is looking like a fun year. So excited to see what it comes, yeah. comes about. So, um, well, I think we're getting ready to wrap up here, Craig, but I wanted to thank you for uh, being on the show, uh, having this great conversation, learning a lot about you and hopefully our listeners did as well. Is there anything you'd like to plug for yourself? Uh, maybe 
where people can find your content or uh, anything. I know you said you have like the 15 year uh, anniversary of your show coming out. Is that something that you definitely want to work on this year? And, and just whatever you'd like to say here at the end. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, yes, um, I was doing a one-man show called My Life in 19 Inches. Your father actually came to see it, and that's when he first offered me the part of Teddy James because I do a lot of characters in the show, and it's not all comedies. A lot of it's drama, and I play uh, eight different characters on the in the show. And so that's when I guess he got the idea that I, I could do a Teddy James uh, role. And I'll be doing the 15-year anniversary of My Life in 19 Inches Later on this year, I haven't set a date yet. Uh, I haven't found the theater. Uh, I can tell you that uh, Comic Book Gurus, uh, my other podcast, all the episodes are still available on iTunes and on Spotify or whatever, wherever you hear your podcast for free. Uh, but we also have a YouTube channel, uh, Comic Book Gurus YouTube uh, page, and uh, we'll be shooting a new episode sometime this week. It should be out by the end of this week, uh, as we're speaking, it's January 8th. So you'll be able to see that. And I will say with unequivocal, unequivocal, unequivocal confidence, I shouldn't have chosen that word. There's other <laughs> words to, to describe that. But when Center City 2 is finished, edited, and ready to be seen for the public, we are going to have a screening right here in Philadelphia. After and I will host it. And we're going to finally see this great Heaven's Gate, Lawrence of Arabia, 30-year journey comes to fruition. And I know you're good at, at promoting your, your content, and you should on YouTube. If you put it on YouTube, I'm not going to watch it. I want to see it on the big screen along with everybody else. So I'm, when, it's, when it's done and it's ready and you can't wait to show it to people, stream it wherever you want. But for the big screen premiere, uh, we're going to have it at the Rotunda where we were originally supposed to shoot the final scenes for Center City 2. I will host it. Uh, I'll and we can have everyone, a whole cast, whole crew, everyone, uh, come out and see it. And uh, if you're listening to this, you're a fan of August. Um, this will be his most daring project to date. So you have to see it. And I couldn't be proud to be part of it. Thank Thanks, you, man. Thank you. And that's so exciting because I know we talked about that too. And I'm and I cannot wait for that event. You hosted the Raven premiere in philly and i saw the video i wasn't able to make it but you hosted that thing it was packed out uh you and you do such a good job of of supporting and hosting and making everyone feel welcome and excited to be there so i cannot wait and i plan on being up there for that premiere uh so we will get that premiere first before it's on youtube and but yeah this is a uh, gonna be a very very interesting and like you said daring project but i'm, I'm happy and just proud that you're a part of it man so thank you of course, man. And I'm trying to, I'm doing my best to stay strange. Thank yes. You. That's the motto. That's the motto. Stay strange. Uh, Craig, thank you. It was just a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to put some links in the, the show notes so people can find some of your work. And, uh, you know, if you guys uh, haven't watched Raven, check out this early sneak peek of his uh, acting capabilities on, on through the strange films lens and then stay tuned for center city Two. Hopefully we'll have a trailer in the next uh, couple months here and kind of, We'll plan for uh, the premiere hopefully this summer or something. But either way, I'm looking forward to it all. And, and, and can't thank you enough for your friendship, your talents. And uh, and I support you wholeheartedly all the way as well. Thank you, August. And as you know, I'm nothing without you. Thank you. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you very much. We're going to wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.